<laughs> like how about like Adrian Barbeau? Wasn't it Adrian Barbeau? It was her daughter Carol, and didn't she have like a set of twins at age fifty-one? That's funny you mentioned that. I was just reading that. Yeah, because like because 90, when in the nineties, sometime as I think, I think it was yeah ninety-seven. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, she had a set of twins at and fifty-one. The reason that's interesting is that that's about the the age Maude was supposed to be when she did the abortion episode, yes, and everybody everybody's yeah. like. That's silly. Maude wouldn't be pregnant at that age. Well, there you go. Adrian proved them wrong. And do you know which episode Maude feels was the worst episode? You mean B. Arthur? Yes, B. Arthur. You probably don't remember them all. I just read this. I don't remember them all. I'm going to say, well, I know there was one where they break out. She was doing Mame with Lucille Ball. She had done the... um, she had, she had won a Tony for the Broadway musical with Angela Lansbury, and then she they didn't cast Angela Lansbury in the movie. They cast Lucille Ball, but they cast her as Vera. And there was this one thing where she they they just break out in song about Mame, like no reference at all. Just like they start breaking out in Mame. Uh, so I thought that maybe bo- that was so, that bombed, right? It did not do well. Yeah, they should have put Angela Lansbury in it. Because her husband made her do that. He was the producer. Gene Sachs, that's, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, he was the he directed the he directed the original Broadway, yeah. He was a big she, Broadway producer. Or b- director too. She felt it was the the worst episode was the one where Walter, her husband, bought an organ. Oh God. Do you, I don't know if you remember in the seventies or had friends with parents, but it, it became this thing to buy an electric organ. You remember those where you push a button and it's like, here, a Western beat, here. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> you can play along. You can play the organ. Yeah, my uncle and, uh, had one. My, had, great, my great uncle in Binghamton. He'd, have, I had he'd, a, always have, he'd always have the organ. I'm like, mm. I had friends with it. You didn't like it? I wanted to get my hands on it and play. Well, I guess I could never figure out how to play it, or I was never allowed long enough time to actually learn how to play it. It's like, don't touch the organ. You didn't have to learn, John. Don't touch the organ. I like the Hawaiian. The Hawaiian beat was my favorite. I know. You just hit the Hawaiian beat and just hit a few notes. You didn't have to learn to play. Yeah. But I see I wasn't allowed to. I was like, don't touch the organ. Don't touch the dog. Uncle Ray, he was. And poor Uncle Ray, he had a tragic end. He was. Ray, like he, he, the, the house caught on fire and he died of smoke inhalation. He was like 91. Oh. Oh, well, no. you know, we've been telling him since 1975, get rid of that damn heating pad. That heating pad would like burn you even in like he 1975. To... And he must have left it plugged in on the couch. And that's what caught on fire. That's what, that's what started the fire. We've been but he still had he still had the heating pad from nineteen seventy. Well, he wasn't going to sell it. They, you know, these you got to remember, like people like my grandfather grew up in the depression. Uh, I know they grew up in the depression. I mean, you think about it, the depression hit when my grandfather was eight. Then you went through the depression. Then you had to go through the war, which was rationing. So there was like nothing. Mm-hmm. And so you <sighs> figure from the time my grandfather was eight till the time he was twenty five. That's what they lived through. And they always thought it was going to come back. And so, no, they never got rid of anything. I thought you were going to have a funny story about your uncle telling people not to touch anything. And you went straight to the tragic ending. Getting, you know, it was like we saw it. I thought that was kind of funny. Like, well, you know, we were, so we should have been surprised. But we've been telling him since 1975, get rid of that heating pad, right? It's going to start a fire. Were you allowed to touch it? No. 
It's the SETI BIMCO Show. If you like chicken, you'll love this show. Well, John, well, Tim, oh, this, do, is, this, is, this is the fifth episode of SETI BIMCO, the show where we look back at high school calamities every other episode or so. This week, we're going to look back at a favorite album. But first, I got to ask you how your week was. It was, it was actually, it was very, um, let me see here. My, my, I didn't really have anything to do with my mom because my mom, one of her friends from Sarah, who's a nurse of the Packer, she, um, her daughters, I know she may, she may have had the baby by now, but they were going up to Plattsburgh. And yesterday I got home from work. I don't know what was, what, what was up with me. I got home from work. I, you know, I worked my five to two shift and I got home. And I just had to lay down, and it was about 2.30 when I laid down, and then I got up at 7.30, had a drink of water, used the bathroom, then I went back to bed, and I got up at 3.30 this morning, which is my normal time getting up. Oh, I hope you don't so, have long COVID. I hope not either. And how was your week? I went out to see a friend who visited town, and I went out with the New York Times bestselling author, George O'Connor, who's going to be on the show next week. I've heard of George O'Connor. I'm looking so forward to getting to talk to him. I'm very nervous, having not him, met him before. Went out with him and a bunch of other people, uh, and just two other people. We ate chicken wings, something we shouldn't eat at our age, but I don't ever eat it unless we go out with them. And it was in the right. out back in a tent because of COVID. Everybody's got tents outside because during COVID, they built these outdoor areas to eat in. And then when it got cold, they simply enclosed the areas. So they were enclosed outdoor areas that we were sitting in. But we were in a big tent. Oh, okay. And suddenly it became 22 degrees. Mm. So when I went to go home, I went to the subway. Subway, for some reason, was closed. Everybody was coming up saying, subway's closed. So then I, I, I just have to get an Uber. And it, the wind was blowing and my fingers were freezing. It just all of a sudden it was like zero degrees. Yeah, and it must have been a it must have been a full moon because so, a man walked up to me and said, "You look like an intelligent fellow. What do you think happens to us after we die?" And uh, you know, I'm used to this happening sometimes, and I'm trying to walk away from him. But you got to stay where you are for your Uber driver. He knows who you are. Right. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I don't care. And he, he keeps talking to me. He's like, "Well, I think we go to another universe. I don't know if it's this universe." And he's got his hands in his pockets, so I'm watching him very carefully. It's your radar kind of goes off in New York and yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm just ignoring him, but he won't go away. But eventually he did go away. <clears throat> Even right. though he says things like, he's like, no worries. I'm just an intelligent guy like you trying to ask you these questions. And anyways, so it was my, either, my car. It, so it was either, it was a full moon or you live in Brooklyn, one or the other. Yeah, or, but I got home. I follow the blood trail that's going into my building, which I saw earlier. I saw blood drippings, <laughs> earlier and i got into the building and the maintenance guy was mopping up the floor i'm like well somebody walked in here dripping blood there was a bloody fingerprint on the stairwell door so i go in and there's a homeless woman i've met before she's in the the little area before you get into the building and mm. i just say hi to her and i go in and then i come out to walk soul my dog and i see a piece of her clothing in the hallway and i'm like well she's in the building somewhere i guess she wants oh, to it was tw- it was 22 degrees out so yeah, i feel bad yeah, yeah she's yeah. she's probably in the stairwell sleeping so i walk the dog of course when i come back in to go to the elevator she pops out of the stairwell acting a little freaked out and my dog as i've told you is a rescue dog and she is she's freaking out my dog because she's acting very erratic and right yeah i've met her before she has a long story to tell you I mean, she, I feel bad for her. She needs mental 
help, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Whether yeah. whether your answer is, okay, I'll give you some money or won't give you money, she wants to tell you a long story that I've never been able to keep track of. But she held the elevator button after I got on. She knew enough. She's not, you know, you think people are don't know what's going on, but she pushed the button to help keep me from leaving. And was terrifying my dog and telling me her story. I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't know what to do. But finally, uh, the, finally, the elevator has a an alarm that goes off and it it shut on her. You can't hold the button too long. Oh, okay. So since then, uh, my dog Soul has been afraid of the uh, the, the stairwell. <laughs> oh me. boy, she thinks it. <laughs> Thanks, lady. I feel bad. I've encountered her many times, and she has a long story to tell. And uh, well, maybe with, and I don't want to sound, you know, like. She'll be, she'll be gone, but maybe when the maybe when the warmer weather comes, she'll be. She often has out. nice, a, a good change of clothing, so maybe she lives somewhere. But then it became super nice out, seventy degrees, and we we got ourselves the little camera to watch your house because our dog was crate trained because we don't know what she's like. Whether we leave the house, she's going to tear everything up. She's in a, sure. a large crate, sure. which is not a thing you do forever. So we got the camera and we decided to go down the street and have a drink. And watch the camera and see what she does. And so basically she uh, she slept most of the time. We found out about this whole camera idea because some neighbors of ours, I don't remember why they were suspicious of their dog walker, but something was going on and they got a camera to see what was happening when the dog walker was there. And it turns out when their dog walker was there, he was taking a break at their house and doing lines of cocaine on their coffee table. <laughs> so they had to fire and that. Didn't have the decency to, and didn't have the decency <laughs> to leave any for them. I, I, you know what? I'd be outraged too. I would. I'd be like, come on, dude. Dude, you're using my coffee table. Leave me a couple lines. Oh, so, boy. There you go. So is this be, I wonder if this was before or after you walked the dog. Because, you know, you really want your dog walker to be coked up when he's taking your dog <laughs> down the street, you know? This week, what are we going to talk about? I picked it. You picked it. Oh, let me ask you a question then. Mm-hmm. What does John Lennon, David Bowie, Meatloaf, The Love Boat, The Boy in the Plastic Bubble, and The Muppet Movie all have in common? Um, oh, gee whiz, my gosh. The Boy in the Plastic... Were they all... Was all the music done by Mr. Paul Williams? Well, and another man. Oh, yes. Um... Oh, wait, I've got it written. Wait, wait, John. The answer is, those things are all filthy. John Mm. Lennon's lyrics are always about dirty stuff. David Bowie, Meatloaf, uh, The Love Boat. Love Boat was full of salmonella poisoning. This is your producer, Miss Lee. This is a terrible joke. Awful. Start again. Cue the theme song. It's the Seti Vimco Show with Tim and John, blah, blah, blah. Oh, so what, we have to start over? You're starting the theme music again? Is this what we're doing, John? I guess so, yeah. What, yeah, we'll start the theme music all over again. Miss Lee wants, that's what we have to do. But we'll, well, do, it, you know, we'll do it quick. Right, and here's the thing, the Musicians Union is going to charge us overtime. I know, but I did the music, John. Uh, you forget. Well, but still, <laughs> we got to hire all the, we have to hire the orchestra. The SETI Bimco Orchestra. <laughs> we didn't we didn't get to lead in with some mod facts. Oh, we didn't. We'll do, right. we'll do this really quick. Did, okay. did you notice in the intro of Maud, they show cars driving out to where did Maud live? Tuckahoe. Tuckahoe. The the cars are off from the fifties, and I read that's because that's leftover footage from the All in the Family intro. You know, those were the days they were gonna show old cars. Okay. Because the intro to shows back then were super cheap. 
today shows the intro to shows they have cg special effects i don't know if you've seen the beginning of game of thrones and um i've never seen an episode uh, of game of thrones wow they're very complex all these shows have complex intros i mean if you watch the early episodes of happy days it's just film it's a close-up of uh, elvis's pelvic area gyrating just the first season of happy days you remember that that's all they used i, I, I vaguely remember i remember the jukebox no 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 jukebox it was just elvis's uh Pel- oh, pelvic right. region gyrating season. all the time that's all that's they showed right. that's all it was that's all they showed that's the whole season right. as a matter of fact the original the working title was elvis's pelvis it's was the was. was the working title of the show that's right i, I had read that <laughs> somewhere and then and we went over our weeks you had your week anything else happened that you forgot to tell me about what week what week is this i can't remember it's the week i was i just was, I told you i was left out freezing in the cold the ice uh, the um the subway broke down and I did. For- oh, that's right. I did forget to tell you that as I was standing by the road, it was a, it was a street where the cars were all very slow and you could like look at people in the cars. And I was out there with my fingers freezing and a woman drove by and she was like enjoying her ice cream cone in a nice warm car. And, uh, oh. it, it enraged me so much. <laughs> she, did that on, she, she did that on purpose. She's <laughs> like, look, we're going to drive really slowly. Yes. Past freezing people, she looked at in me. our warm car, and we're going to. She looked at I'm me. Get, I'm going to get. I'm going to get a double scoop. Looked at me and smiled. And she knew what she was doing. Who drives there, with ice? There, cream? Do you drive with ice there, cream? How can you watch the road there, and make sure you don't like get a Jackson Pollock like piece of artwork on your pants with it dripping everywhere? Uh, I don't know. You know, some people have like seven course meals in the car. I, I, don't, I never. I never really eat in the car. What else was there? Okay, I think that was it. I think that was it. But I do want to say. They are not a sponsor, but we're using Riverside FM to record this, and it's so much better because it is. I'm able to edit out your coughing and your uh, your squeaky chair because you have a very you have a trademark squeaky chair that you bought. No, do I? Well, now I put the office chair in here. I take out all my coughs and your coughs and all my ums. And then I take out the stuff you say that I don't like. And I take out all the stuff I say that I don't like. Which and is, basically the podcast is, is five minutes of us breathing. And that's about the best you can do with this. Which is about 90% of what I say. <laughs> I had so, some really offensive comments about the Amish, but I'm afraid. I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose that Amish audience. You know, no. So I'm, gonna keep, I'm just going to keep them to myself. You want to be able to go to Pennsylvania again. Oh heck, they're they're right they're right outside of town. The Amish. That's right. They're they're in New York State too. I forgot. Oh yeah, over by like Penyan. I always see like we have a lot of Amish come in, and a lot of Mennonites come in mm-hmm. to the store. And I always think like like what do the Amish think when they see the Mennonites? Like I think they like think like amateurs. <laughs> and, I'll bet she doesn't even own a butter churn. That's some that's some deep cuts, John. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. I don't know if our audience knows the, the, the subtle differences between Amish and the Mennonites. Well, this is why it's an educational I mean, program. I mean, you can go look I know, that up. I know all the differences, yeah. but can, do you know yeah, the differences, yeah. John? Can you explain? Oh, of course I know the differences. Which, like, which one owns a TV? The Mennonites. Oh. Do they really? Oh, this, do they really? Yes. I, I, don't thought, they, I don't know if they own, do they own TVs. I don't know. I've never been invited into a Mennonite. I home. thought you were going to say neither of them owned a TV. I don't know. I know the Mennonites have cars, electricity. Oh, okay. See, I didn't know that. I yeah, they have neither. the cars, they have the, electric- the electricity. Well, that's that's weird. I don't know if they own, but maybe they don't own TVs. I don't know. I mean, well, they, what would they watch? Well, they want to watch Star Trek, right? Like all of us. 
I like all of them. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that was big with the Mennonite community in the sixties. It was their base audience. Actually, had it not been for the Mennonites, it would have been canceled after the first season. Well, this episode, we are trying to do an episode about how much we love Paul Williams and Kenneth Asher, and no matter what j- yeah. jokes we made, I I, uh, I do sincerely love his music, both their music. I know you're sure. you're. Oh, do you like them too? Okay, that's your official well, stance. Well, when you realize you, when you realize what Paul Williams actually wrote, oh yeah, you know you you think I didn't realize that Paul Williams won Album of the Year with Daft Punk back in was it twenty thirteen? I didn't know that either. He actually made the speech. He actually accepted the Grammy. It was he and Nile Rodgers from Chic. And the two Daft Punk guys with their helmets on, of course, they never say anything. And he gives the acceptance speech. And he's saying, you know, I got a message from two robots and they wanted to thank. And it's Paul Williams. Did you find this on YouTube? I found this on YouTube, yeah. Why didn't you send it to me, John? I didn't think about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's been a very rough re- week with daylight savings time and everything. Boy, I'm glad I got Riverside FM because I'm, like, I'm just going to cut that out. You made me look bad. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't even think about it. And he did, he did a, he did, he wrote a song with the Scissor Sisters and I emailed that to you. Yes, you did. You did. Are you a fan of the Scissor Sisters? I do like the Scissor Sisters. Yeah. yeah. My musical taste is pretty eclectic. Okay. Stop bragging. Like, no, I'm not bragging. I'm just, <laughs> you know, I just, it's, I, it's weird. Like I'll listen to Allison Krauss and Union Station, Bluegrass. Oh yeah. Then I'll switch over to. I've got a lot of Cannonball Adderley, who was a jazz musician. Okay. I have a lot of him on vinyl. Okay. And then I'll be listening to, I don't know, Kylie Minogue, a little bit of pop. And then I'll be listening to... You tune into Ithaca College Station? That's what I used to listen to. ICBM. I can't get, I can't get, I can't get, I can't get it this far up. Oh, you can get it, you can get it on the internet, John. Oh, that's true. I didn't think about that. Right. I guess I can. <laughs> Even I can listen. <laughs> I guess I, I guess I can. I'm sorry. You can edit that out too. Now keep it in. <laughs> Let him know what an old fuddy duddy I am. I didn't even think about that. So John, what does John Lennon, David Bowie, Meatloaf, The Love Boat, The Boy in the Plastic Bubble, and The Muppet Movie have in common? Would that be Mr. Asher <laughs> and Paul Williams? And Paul Williams? Yes. I have no joke for that. I'm not going to try again before Miss Lee cuts us off. I tried so hard to have a joke for that, but I don't have a joke. But if I knew well, this, if I heard this when I was 12, it would have blown my mind that like, no, no, Meatloaf, he doesn't hang out with people who do Muppet movie albums. If he came to my house, I would hide the Muppet movie album that I owned. And I would say, yeah, my uh, Bad Out of Hell album, it's out, it's out in the shop for yeah. repairs. I just don't have it right now. But then you think of the number of guest stars they had on the Muppet show. I think Alice <clears throat> Cooper did an episode of the Muppet he show. He did, yeah. And so did the I Village believe- people. Yeah, so I mean, there were a lot of Muppet fans out there. Like the Muppets transcended all that back in the seventies. Uh, they re- they really did. Diana Ross did an episode of the Muppet yeah. Show. Yeah, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll talk about the Muppet Show later. Okay, you're I'm getting sorry. ahead. I have, yeah, a, I have a feeling ahead. we're going to talk about that again. <laughs> we are going to talk about that again, probably. No, but Paul Williams wrote um, "We've Only Just Begun," the Carpenters which was the follow-up to Close to You. And mm-hmm. it was actually a commercial for the Crocker Bank of California. He had written it as a, he had written it as a jingle. Richard Carpenter heard the song. Richard Carpenter was, a, well, he wasn't a very great songwriter, but he was a very good arranger. 
Okay. And he's like, hey, let's record this song. We've only just begun and they, you know, played it at weddings for decades. Yeah, he wrote, yeah, yeah. he co-wrote that. But recently, I think it was 2007, he wrote Happy Days the Musical. Were you aware of this? I was vaguely aware that there was going to be a Happy Days the Musical, but... You know, in this age of information overload, I sometimes have problems following up things. But wouldn't wouldn't Did, Happy Days musical just be Gre- Happy Grease? Yeah, you're probably it right. Seems... Or or it was Happy Days, the non musical version of Grease. Yeah, it was a uh, yeah. The people who it's grew like up what, in the fifties were yeah. like almost they were like thirty five to forty at the time, and they were like, "Yay, Happy Days!" But the, yeah, but those days. people are now. I figured it out. They're all like a uh, hundred right now. So they're not going to go out and see happy days, the musical. Well, they might go to the Wednesday matinee. <laughs> never. If, if you go to Broadway, never go to a Wednesday matinee. <laughs> That's when all the old folks homes come. Oh my goodness. I, I didn't know that. I can't hear. What? What did she say? <laughs> I don't like this music. <laughs> so you went once. I, I've been a couple times. Yeah. Did, now, fun. did you take your mom? Is that why you went, or you just happened to be there, and that's the... I just happened to be there. I think that's where, where I happened to get tickets. Okay. Um, what were the algorithms? Maybe, maybe, I, maybe I was only in the city for a day. This was way back when. Maybe I was only in the city for a day or maybe an overnight. That's, I heard that's also Lincoln Center. If you go to a matinee movie at Lincoln Center, you'll, you'll end up with the senior crowd. Yeah, there you <clears> go. I've never done there that. There you go. So, well, I love the show. I love the yeah. show. The show was always, I mean, I would watch that every. American TV wouldn't give him a show. And if you didn't know, and he went to England, made yeah. a show and it was syndicated all around mm-hmm. at, at different times. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I missed a lot of them because I never knew when it was going to be on. But where yeah. I lived, it had a permanent, it had a permanent home. They actually, they actually, uh, you know, they, so I could, I could catch it every week. I knew what time it would be on. Now, did you ever see Bugsy Malone? Wait, was it Bugsy Malone? Oh. Bugsy with Warren Beatty? Just a minute. No, it's called, yeah, it's called Bugsy Malone. It was the movie where it was all kids, and they would shoot. They had a machine gun, but it would shoot cream puffs. Do you remember no. this movie? No, can't say. I would remember that. No, I can't oh, say Oh, my God, I John. I, was, I figured when I mentioned this, you were going to say yes, because Paul Williams wrote that, the music for that. And I never saw it either. And I started playing the songs and mm. I was like, oh, John's heard this. John loves these songs. Damn it. Why didn't I email you? I'm sorry. You see, we, we wait, re- wait, wait until you go on YouTube and play the songs from uh, Bugsy Malone. I will. So Paul I'll, Williams I'll, I'll wrote it. them also. No, it I may not. Well, it. it's, it's starring. Well, one, one person you may like it's starring. Well, starring Scott Bale, that, that one person you may like. Uh, very young Scott Bale and a very young Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. Young Jodie Foster. Does not so ring she's, a bell. Although I may see it and go, oh, yeah, I do remember it. But no, that does not. I, I think I'd remember Cream Puffs coming out of gun. So Muppets. Well, let me start with what I don't like because there's very little. I'll get it out of the way. When I listened to Bugsy Malone, he wrote, oh, you're going to hear my paper. That's all right. We can't afford a cue card guy, so you gotta you gotta shuffle the papers. It's all right. He wrote he wrote ten songs for Bugsy Malone, a TV movie, and the Muppet movie only got six original songs. Hmm. If you ever did, if you listen to the actual album, there are two songs on the Muppet movie album that are instrumentals. There's one song that's "America the Beautiful," right? 
and Never Before Never Again, which is yes. uh, Frank Oz singing Miss Piggy. Miss Piggy. You hear yeah. it once. You hear it once and laugh about it. And I remember when I owned the album, I was like, I don't need to hear this again. I always skip that song. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I was kind of like, and I don't know if the, I don't know if that was the order they were played in the film, but they were on the soundtrack. At least what I heard, they it's were th- they were back. It's number three and four. I've got so you didn't like but, the instrumentals. Well, what I'm saying is, did they not have the budget to write like two more songs? Because again, Bugsy Malone, they got ten songs. Maybe, 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 that's, maybe, yeah, maybe it's just a matter of the, the, the time they had to work with. Maybe they could only fit. Maybe the script was stronger in the Muppet movie than it was in Bugsy Malone. I mean, you can only show so many scenes of cream puffs coming out of machine guns, and you're kind of like, <laughs> okay, no, we're just going to put a song in here. No, put the machine well, gun away. Put the cream puffs away. We're going to put a song in here, Scott. I found an interview, an interview with Paul Williams, and he said it was great working with Jim Henson. He he asked him to write the songs, and Jim Henson was like, uh, Paul Williams was like, I'll show you as we're working on this what they're like. And and I guess Jim Henson said, no, no, I trust you. Just when you're done with them, bring them in. And he's right. He is right, but I wish maybe he'd been a little more of a taskmaster and said, maybe one more song. So that's my only small, my very small complaint. And or when, maybe, when you maybe, maybe they couldn't come up with anymore. Maybe that's why there's the inter- the the instrumental and America the Beautiful. When you get a chance to hear Bugsy Malone, listen listen to the song and called "Give a Little Love." It starts off with the same piano riff as the Magic Store finale, and I'm oh. not complaining. I'm I'm just saying when you hear the song, you'll hear the same little riff. Gotcha. Okay. That's not a complaint. That's me. That's just a, that's just an observation. It is. So, um, of course, the, 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 the showstopper song is the, what, Rainbow the, Con- the Rainbow Connection. Right. Got nominated for an Oscar for Best Original Song. It lost to the theme from Norma Ray, which is a song called It Goes As It Goes. Tim, can you hum mm. us a few bars of It Goes As It Goes? <laughs> I think so. Can you really? Okay, good, because I can't. <laughs> I can't. The theme of Norman Ray. Let me drink some water and figure it out. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Why? Who? You know, the Academy. Who knows? But the, was that the name of the movie, Norma Ray? Remember Norma Ray? Sally Field won her first Oscar for it. Oh my God! She was the union organizer. Oh right, yeah, yeah. She was the union organizer down somewhere down south, I believe it was. But that wasn't the name of the movie, was it? Norma Ray was the name of the movie. Really? No, I thought the org- the union organizer movie was was called. Um, Are you thinking of Silkwood with Meryl Streep? Um, yeah. Okay. No, or, this is a totally different movie. Or I'm thinking of Chinatown. Oh, okay. Or I'm thinking of uh, Urban Cowboy. Urban Cowboy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> The how, how long can I can the mechanical bull the mechanical bull operators yes needed to, you needed bull, to unionize they needed, needed to, to unionize, unionize because to, because people like John Travolta were, were getting on it all the time breaking the bull breaking the bull and then they got to fix it and they're like no no more we can't take it anymore and there's a big strike so there's a big strike until Either you learn and how to fix the ball or you don't ride it, son. 
And so a bunch of them went out to upstate New York, found a real bull. Found a real bull. And they said, we don't need a union. There you go. And and John Travolta. (laughs) Joint Scientology. All right. I guess we strung out as far as we could. And and lived a very happy life as a heterosexual man. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But I did want to say something about the Rainbow Connection now. The Rainbow Connection reached number 25 on the Billboard Hot 100. However, that was not the highest charting song that Jim Henson recorded as a Muppet character. Do you know the highest rated song that Jim Henson recorded as a Muppet character? The highest? What is the Muppet character? Oh, was it Not Easy Being Green? That's what I would have thought, which I thought was a lovely song. No, I don't know where that got on the charts. I don't think it even made the top 40. Rubber Ducky by Ernie. Oh, my God. Got to number really? 16. Got to number 16, yeah. And that, wait, let me guess the year. Was it 1971? Somewhere, 70, 71, yeah, somewhere around there, yeah. So oh. probably people were doing disco biscuits and, <laughs> hey, put rubber, hey, hey, put Rubber Ducky on. <laughs> Give me a point for getting the year right. There you go. You get a point. There you go. One Wonderful. point for me. I'm going to have a question for you next week about the Greek gods. So, oh, my gosh. Now, were you a, were you a fan of Emmett Otter? Of who? Apparently not. What, who? Emmett, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. You do not watch this every Christmas? Cause was, was that I'll, a Muppet? I'll, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was no, a, I do vaguely remember that. Yes, I do. I do yes. vaguely remember that. Yes, I do. Paul I Williams do. wrote... Songs for that. You can probably find it on YouTube. Well, I thought you would have been a fan of that. I, I, All right. I, I vaguely recall it. I don't know. I, you know, I had a fight. To, I had a fight for TV time. What did your brother want? What did your brother want to watch? Oh, probably Emergency. Really? Remember, your brother? Oh, remember, remember Emergency. Well, I'm talking about my brother Chris. What was yeah, the name of the? Like, wasn't it John? Johnny Longtooth Johnny, was that the Johnny uh, Randolph Mantooth was the actor. Johnny Mantooth. Gage, Johnny Gage. Right. He played Johnny Gage, and then his partner was Roy DeSoto. He mm-hmm. was in a a movie called Party Line, I believe. One of them, one of the people from Emergency. Oh, okay. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure they and did other things. Yeah, you should you should not watch that. I will. I will. I, I will put that on my no see list. Thank you. Thank you for that. Don't watch Party Line. Let me write that down here real quick. <laughs> Don't. Now, see, now you're telling me not to watch it. And one night, you're going to be flipping through channels, be like, party lines. Like, where have I heard this before? Good movie. When, when were their last party lines? It's, it's, it's dated because it's oh, about yeah. someone calling people on party lines, like, let's meet and have a date, but he's murdering them, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, that kind of party line, like 1 800, yeah. let's hook up. Yeah. yeah. Let's get back to Muppets. Let's get back to the Muppets. It's hard talking about music, isn't it? It really is. It really, because really we, is. Because we can't play any music. No, we can't. We can't even, according to Miss Lee, our producer, we can't even hum anything. No. Oh, man. <laughs> you got in trouble for that. I know. I, I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for the bill from Howard Jones. I, you know, Paul Williams has a Twitter page. And did you know there was actually a Paul Williams 7-Eleven Slurpee Cup in 1975? No. Yeah, if you check his Twitter, you'll see it. And did so you like, see so the like they're sitting, they're sort of like sitting around the boardroom of Seven Eleven? It's like I've got it—a Slurpee cup with Paul Williams on it. Well, he was well known. I mean, he's in uh, okay. He was he was in uh, Planet of the Apes. You realize that? Did you find that in your research? Which Planet of the Apes was he in? He was. It must have been a cameo. 
All right, I'm going to cut out my, the fact I'm looking through pages. I know I wrote this down. He was in, he, he was like the, one of the blonde orangutans. Oh. So I wonder if it was like Battle for the Planet of the Apes or Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. He's probably in Why? one of those. Let's go. It, let's was, go. it was probably like number four. It was probably like the um, like the Battle for the Planet of the Apes or Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. And he was in Phantom Phantom of the Paradise. Did you ever see this movie? I did. Yes, I do remember that movie. That's a cult classic that yes, I've never it seen. Is. Yes, no, I, I saw it. So let's move on to Kenneth Asher. Yes, what we're about ki- Kenneth Asher? We're killing it. We are killing it. We are slaying this. Let me. So I'll just edit this in to make me sound smart. Oh, I see. I see. <laughs> Would you extend the same courtesy to me? Probably not. Yes. I, I've I, done I say, that. Tim, I've I say, done Tim, that to you. Could you could you put this in and make me sound smart? You'd be like, no, sorry, can't do it. I've done that. Nah, I don't so believe much. you. I don't believe you. Paul Williams, orangutan, Virgil, intellectual orangutan, Virgil. Was that the one where, um, I think that was the one where John Huston played the lawgiver. Mm. In the very beginning, like he was like, he was in the opening scene and he's talking to the human children, the human and ape children. And then in the, he was in the last scene. I don't remember my ape movies that well. He was, he, he was also in orang- he was also in orangutan. Claude Akins was in it. Yeah, he played the gorilla. Paul Williams, uh, John Houston, yes. John Houston, yes. I think he was the lawgiver, but and Roddy anyway. McDowell, of course. Roddy McDowell was in all of them except beneath the Planet of the Apes. Mm-mm. So, Mr. Asher, we we're going to talk about Mr. Asher. <laughs> Mr. Asher helped arrange some of John Lennon's songs. I do, I do remember reading that. Yes, he helped arrangements for for Mind Games, Walls and Bridges, Rock and Roll, Yoko Ono's A Story. Barbara Streisand's remake of A Star is Born. Paul Williams, he did the voice of the Penguin in the Batman animated series. Did he really? Now, see, I did not know mm-hmm. that. Well, then he's, he was in Smoking the Bandit. Mm-hmm. Bandit. Yeah. But yes, he was always on TV in the 70s. He had the long hair. He was kind of like this quintessential hippie-looking guy. Right. He was a, um, a very, uh, how, how do I want to put this delicately, a very diminutive man. How about the drummer, Jim Gordon? Who appeared on the soundtrack, who, you know, like you do, heard voices. This was like 1983. You know, like you do, you hear voices and you beat your mother with a hammer and then stab her multiple times and she dies. Like, you know, it happens. Um, And yeah, so he's like in, he's a guest of the state of California, Bacaville, Bacaville, Bacaville. Yeah, he's he like in the psycho. He's like in the psychiatric ward. He did. He he was one of two drummers. I don't know what tracks he was on. I couldn't find that out. Wow. Yeah, but you know, it happens. Apparently, he dated Rita Coolidge in the early seventies, and she broke up with him because backstage he punched her in the face. Wow. Yeah. So not a not a not a not a really nice guy, but you know, apparently he couldn't John. help it. This is. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I offend? Did I offend a murderer? I'm sorry. Did no, I offend? We're supposed to be laughing about fun stuff. I'm the one that usually brings things to a screeching halt. Everybody, everybody on Maud was okay, right? Just tell me that. Everybody, yeah, everybody. Well, they di- died uh, of natural causes. Apparently, though, no. As I understand, they did have to cut out the scene uh, on the Oregon episode where, because I think Bill Macy was asking too, for too much money, and his contract was still in negotiation. So there is a scene where 
Maud comes down while Walter's at the organ and she beats him to death with a hammer and then stabs him multiple times. <laughs> but then they did come to an agreement and before the episode aired, so they just cut that scene out. I thought that'd be two part special. It would be well it Walter's was in the a, hospital. It was going to be a two part special, but <laughs> You know, yeah, and then like Walter would have died, and then she just would have gone on to husband number five. Speaking of Muppets, speaking of Muppets, <laughs> when 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 they made the newer movies, and I mm. was sharing an art studio, and there were a lot of different artists that worked in the building we worked in, and down the hall there was a person who made puppets. This is a job, and she she was always busy. I was kind of like, oh, this is cool. You're making puppets for sh- for uh, shows, like kid Broadway kid shows. When I say yeah. Broadway kid shows, I mean, there are Broadway shows for directed at kids. There's like, that's big business. Well, she got called away to make one of the new Muppet movies. They go out and grab all the people. They're like, we need you to make Muppets. And, and she said this, this was kind of mean. And I'm not going to mention any names, so nobody knows who I'm talking about. But one of the stars of one of these newer Muppet movies. These are the ones made by Disney. They had to make a, mu- a Muppet of the... It was kind of like a Muppet version of the the main star of the movie. They told her, give him a big red nose because, ha, 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 he's an alcoholic and he's got a red nose. And uh, Wow. <laughs> she was you, like, know gonna be, you know I'm going to be like looking is, through all the... This is kind of... Uh, no, she's just like, that was kind of mean they did that. But Yeah, that is kind of mean they did that. There's my gossip. There's my Muppet gossip. No, but you, you really didn't give anything up. Like, if it was real gossip, you would have named names. No. Like, right well. down to how much they drank <laughs> a day. Right. Yeah. She You're like, kind of like, you only like tell half the tale, Tim. So, he, I don't know if it's gossip, just not so much as innuendo, maybe. He would go know. down to the, the bar with the mechanical bull, with John Travolta. <laughs> yes, with John Travolta. <laughs> They had a very solid heterosexual male relationship. (laughs) This is all about this is all about the Muppets. Yeah, the Muppet the Muppet movie soundtrack. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Wow, we did get off on what you call a tangent. So that love boat theme. How does that stand up to all his other songs? <laughs> Exciting. Oh, geez, here we go. I'm singing the thing. There we go. Miss Lee. Oh, I know Miss Lee. I, <laughs> yes, Miss Lee. I know. You don't have to tell me. Don't be singing the... Although apparently when my mother was pregnant with me, she and one of her friends were in some department store in Manhattan, and Jack Jones, who sang the Love Boat theme, was buying the engagement ring for Jill St. John, who he was you, married you, to. For you know... You know who sang the theme, Jack Jones. Jack Jones, yeah. I only know wow. because my mother's like, that's Jack Jones. And when I was pregnant with you and we were in the Bronx, I had gone down to Manhattan with a friend and we were, I don't know if they were at Tiffany's or Saks or I don't know where they were, but they were like, they were just like getting closer and getting closer so they could look at the, the ring. It, oh, oh, I see. That's my connection to Jack but Jones what, and the Love What does he don't, why did they know him? What is he known for beyond Love Boat theme? I don't know. Do maybe know? he did. Maybe he. Maybe he was big. Like, like. What do you know about Eddie Fisher? He married Liz Taylor, and he's Carrie Fisher's father. Paul Williams was also was almost the member of a fairly uh, popular band. Is it the Monkees? Uh, no, because I, I just think like everybody auditioned for them. Stephen Stills auditioned for the Monkees. The prefab. Did John Travolta? Uh, John Travolta would have been probably like. 14 How about or Jack? 15, Jack 14. Jones. Jack Jones, maybe. I thought you were going to say Jack Nicholson. 
Although didn't Jack Nicholson um, didn't they have that movie Head that yes. was uh, the, and I think Jack Nicholson directed that. We got to check the this. Director. Check that out. I think it was Jack. I think if he didn't direct it, he at least wrote the screenplay. Head Head was written and produced by Jack Nicholson. Written and Direct, produced. Oh, okay. Di- directed by Bob Raffleson. Ra- Raffleson. Yeah, and that does. Oh yeah, he did five easy pieces. Because yeah, Davy Jones was in um, the Broadway Twist. show. Or Oliver. Yeah, Oliver. Oliver. Is he in the movie too? No, he because I think he was the artful dodger. By the time they made the movie, he was too big and also, or too old and also too famous. I've never but, watched Head. If you watch Head, I have watched Head. It's been a long time. It's <laughs> been a long time, but I did used right. to watch it. I, so Muppets. And next, and, and yeah, so the so the, so the Muppets. <laughs> we're talking about the monkeys here. You're trying to tell me something. Oh, all those people who you were asking me about. Paul Williams tried out for the monkeys, and I was saying that Stephen Stills tried out for the monkeys. A bunch of people. Henry Nielsen. Harry Nielsen. He, uh, John Lennon wanted Nielsen. Am I saying his name right? Harry Nielsen, who Harry wrote Nielsen, the yeah. he wrote the Point, the music for the Point. Do you want to know how I know you, about the Point? Go ahead, you finish. Do you know the Point? I know the Point because whenever I was working for Victoria Mackenzie Childs, her daughter Heather put on a production of The Point with children at the Ooh. Morgan Opera House, which is above the library in Aurora. Oh, I wonder if there's pictures. Oh, I'm sure Did you there take are. pictures? Did you go? I, I did not take... Well, yeah, I Were you in the production? No, I was not in the production. I went I went <laughs> with, a, with, a, with a girl that I worked with, and I think we kind of felt like we had to go. Like, I, I, like they never said, but I, I, I got to think they were, like, ticking names off of a list. And we're like, who showed up and who didn't show up? So we showed up. <sighs> and plus, you know, it was, it was fun. You know, it was a little game. Although I do remember, like, the opening scene, one of the kids, I don't know if they were playing a dog. Or anyway, the kid, like, lost his balance and, like, Boom! Fell on his shoulder and just like started crying. Oh no! Hysterically, this is like literally thirty to sixty seconds in the show. So they had to close the curtain, <laughs> calm the kid down, and then they opened the curtain. And they started all over again. So that's how I know the point. I thought I thought you meant they put on a production for kids, but it was all kids in the production. So it was all kids in the. It was all kids in the production. And did they do this because her mom could afford to get the rights to the music? Do you think? Who could afford to get the rights to that music? Oh, I mean, apparently, they, apparently they could. He's a well-known songwriter. He's a very well-known songwriter. In fact, I read that John Lennon was like, could he maybe join the Beatles? And they were all like, no. no. Which I agree, I think. That probably would have, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, I mean, had, yeah. they had their fifth Beatle already playing the piano. Billy Preston. Yeah. The only one that ever got credited with him, which I still think... I, I think like Paul and Ringo were like, "Why are we doing this again?" That was all. That was all George. George wanted him credited on the record. Let's get back to Muppets. Let's get back to the Muppets. I know, man. We keep going <laughs> off topic here. This is gonna be a lot of editing. So, who's your favorite Muppet? Let me ask you that. Who's your favorite <laughs> my, Muppet? Oh my god! I mean, from Sesame Street, from the Muppet Show. I, I would have to say uh, Ernie, because as a child, the Ernie I seem to identify with, and I had an Ernie Muppet as a child. Did you have like the Muppet puppets that had like a vinyl head? That's what I mean. I had that puppet. Yeah, that yeah, I had the Bert. Oh my, you had Bert? I had Bert. This is amazing. You did you identify as Bert? No, Chris and, wanted Ernie. And I identify so, as So Charlie. Chris got Ernie and I got Bert. You know, again, always the second show. You know, I had to take what was ever <laughs> left over. If your parents were willing to buy two Muppets, what did, did it matter that they're both the same Muppet? Or was that like a a whole drama? 
I don't know what they're thinking. I was like six or well, seven. I, I didn't really, I didn't really ask a lot of questions, Tim. I had friends that were brothers, and I remember it was it'd be a drama if they both had the same something. I had two brothers for friends, and they, I, I remember that drama. And the other drama was if I slept over. It, it was like when you're young, and and I was both their friends. It'd be like Tim gets to sleep with me in my bed, and they're like, okay, and tomorrow night. Or next time, Tim gets to sleep with you in your bed because two brothers. But right, I was out. I was always terrified because they're, they're, he was still uh, wetting the bed. bed. <laughs> so I'd be like, I went through and like did like all the people who were like the Muppeteers and like the car and like the um, the characters they did. Uh, like David Getz, who was Gonzo and Bunsen Honeydew, mm-hmm. and then Jerry Nelson, who was Count von Count. He did Harry Monster. Sherlock Hellmock. Sounds like he did mostly. Um, he did mostly Sesame Street characters. I, I'm afraid I only know Henson and Frank Oz. I know there's more people, but I'm not a super fan. Right? No, I get that. You wouldn't. Who, who would know all that? You wouldn't know. That. No, it was mostly some people. You know, some people would. You're right. Apparently, though, if you do, if you do, if you're in a movie that Frank Oz has directed, and if you catch him in the right mood, he will do the Yoda voice for you. <laughs> Who was talking about that? I don't know. Somebody who did. Of course, he's done several films. So he was asking, they go, yeah, if you're like, if you just catch him in the right mood and things are going well that day, and he's in a good mood. What, what awful, to be walking around the rest of your life with people just sitting around you thinking, I hope he does the Yoda voice. I hope he does the Yoda voice. <laughs> I hope he does the Yoda voice. Well, I remember that seeing an interview with Jean Stapleton true. before she passed away, and they're like, "Could you do the Edith voice?" She goes, "You don't pay me enough money." Oh, the these Muppets—they was—they were exciting to talk about, weren't they? They were. Oh, I forgot to mention. Uh, mm-hmm. I named all those things that Paul Williams worked on. He he uh, wrote a song Bowie did called "Fill Your Heart" on the like his Bowie's one of his first albums. One don't know if you're familiar with that song, but you should look that up. I am. I am vaguely familiar. Now, do, is, now, like in the case with the Carpenters, he wrote the song as a commercial, and they sort of remade it. That, Did he actually? I wonder if he actually specifically wrote it for Bowie, or Bowie just heard it one time and said, "I got to do this song." Well, that's where research and homework comes in. Okay. <laughs> I guess I didn't. Uh, what you, I, I didn't do uh, all of my homework. Well, next time, you know, before you put it out there, Tim, make sure you know all the yes. facts. Can I edit this out? <laughs> oh, oh, yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir. You have the power of the edit. That's right. I forgot. You can leave me hanging on on the air, but... Oh, that didn't make me sound good. Let's, we'll edit that out. Let's... So, I hope uh, everyone enjoyed this episode where we tried to talk about Paul Williams and... Uh, Mr. Asher, Kenneth Asher. So if you want, I want to, to keep, I want to keep saying Peter Asher, but that was the one who did all the James Taylor albums. Oh, really? No relation. Yeah, Jane, Jane Asher's Jane Asher was Paul McCartney's girlfriend, and Peter Asher was her okay. brother, and he was in Peter and Gordon, A World Without Love, and then he wound up being a big record producer. I think he all did right. like he did James Taylor and Linda mm-hmm. Ronstadt, and you are full of a lot of musical facts. I think we should I have a, a musical quiz with you somehow when we have guests on. Well, this is what happens when you don't date in high school. Well, it's going to come in handy now. We're going to do something with this. Finally, just under the wire. And I did mention... I got to use it. Right. 
I did mention Bugsy Malone was a, a TV movie, but it was actually a th- theatrical movie. I forgot. It seemed to be on TV a lot. In all seriousness, we love Mr. Williams and Asher. If they, if they ever want to come on this podcast, they have an open invitation. I mean, as long as they have good microphones and headphones and if they know a little something um, about musical and sound engineering, you know, we're, we're, I hope so. I hope so. Cause our, we have very exacting standards. We, we just too. can't have, we just can't have anybody who's only been in the business for 60 years on this show. Too. Who do they think they are coming on the show? Not knowing anything about sound yeah. levels or reverb. Exactly. Well, they have standards. Maybe we, can, maybe we can teach them a thing or two. Yes. But anytime they want to come on and anytime you can reach you us, come on. send us uh, follow us on Twitter at SETI BIM. Instagram is SETI underscore BIMCO. You can send us an email message at SETI BIMCO with an E at gmail.com. I'll, I got a, uh, you can find the email on the Twitter if, if uh, you need to spell right. it correctly. All right, if John. That silent e, oh. is that, if that silent E is too confusing for you, I know. just look on Twitter. That's my, my big mistake. It's the bane of my existence, that silent E. Some, somebody somewhere without an E at BIMCO, they're getting all our, our letters and, and our emails. I know. Right. Right now, we're just getting a lot of hate mail. It's directed towards John, so I don't want to read all that. <laughs> but see, I'm used to it. I, I have that thick skin now, so I'm, you do. A, I'm really, a, I'm really okay with it. If I wasn't getting hate mail, I'd think something was wrong. Well, next week we're gonna meet Mr. George O'Connor and talk about the Greek gods. Yes. Make sure you read most of the issues of the Avengers, John. Read it. Read about up to issue two, two hundred. What? Okay, yeah, I, I've got up, I've got up to issue two seventy three, so I should be fine, okay. right? Yes, you should be fine. Okay, good. All, All right. right, see you next. All right, Tim. Well, I'll see you next week. See you next week, John. Seti Bimco is a podcast by Tim Hamilton and John Kelly. Produced by Miss Lee. Music by Tim Hamilton. This has been a Pity Party Line production. Party Line. It's a party line.